welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a drummer, composer, and band leader from Germany, who like Weenie. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange. Today, we have a great drummer. I'm not going to butcher her name, so I'm going to have her do it. <laughs> She's currently in Germany, I believe, right? Not quite. I'm actually in Spain right now. You're in Spain. Oh, the world traveler. Okay. <laughs> well, ma'am, can you introduce yourself to the people? Yes. My name is Mareike Wiening, so I pronounce it the German way, Mareike, and I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, thank you for joining us. Uh, you have a new album out, Future Memories. Exactly. I liked it. And it's just thank funny, as I was listening to it, it's like, that's the same people as the last album she had. And she performed, not? Isn't it mostly not the quite. same? No. Mostly the same. Okay. <laughs> but it's actually my first album with my real band. Because on the first one on my debut album, Metropolis Paradise, mm -hmm. Um, my piano player, Glenn Saleski, he broke his elbow, like, I don't know, a couple of days before the recording session. Uh. Um, so it was not possible to reschedule it. And also then it turned out that we were going to be the last band recording at Systems 2 Studios. So that's why Dan Tepfer played piano. And now finally on Future Memories, Glenn is on it. That's like an artist's worst nightmare. The elbow, oh, yeah. the fingers. Is he okay? Oh, yeah. No, he, he was fine. He actually, he couldn't play for a couple of months even, and he had to cancel a lot of gigs. So it was, well, for him, it was really, really bad. But for me, it was also super stressful because this happened like literally, I think four days before the recording session. And, you know, because Systems 2 was going to close, I couldn't reschedule everything. And then I just couldn't find a piano player. Also, my music is not that easy, so I had to find yes. someone who's able to rehearse and who's actually a great piano player who can read the music and everything. So it was, it was a nightmare, but it turned out great. <laughs> it turned out great, and I wouldn't have guessed that was the situation. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. how did he blend in with the group? Was it like a perfect fit, or was Dan? it one of those like awkward? We got to switch this. Switch this. No, not at all. Actually, I mean, he learned the music overnight. I remember that. And I was so happy that he was actually, because he's also traveling a lot, but he was in New York and he was free for a couple of days. So he actually had the time to check out the music. And, you know, we rehearsed at his place um, and we talked about the music a lot and we tried it out in the studio as well. Um, but he was, I mean, yeah, he's an amazing musician and he, it was so amazing how he kind of like blended you know in. like a yeah blended in and and understood everything i wanted okay i mean we'll, I'm, we'll talk about the album now let's just get into that part <laughs> but two tracks the second and the seventh one i like the best seesaw march i mm -hmm. like the tempo feels that you had in there but of course the second shot l how'd i say it <laughs> <laughs> Your drumming, your fills, your feel on that in general. I loved it. Thank you. So just for me, 
what made you write those two or how did you come about it? So actually, I, meant, I just mentioned I'm in Spain right now in Madrid. And I'm here, sometimes here and there, to play with some Spanish musicians. And actually, Alice Correal, I finished it also here in Madrid. And we played at a place called Alice Correal, which is close to the city. Um, and it was just an interesting vibe there going on. And we had a lot of, you know, like historic and Spanish music coming out of the shops and everything was... It was in the summer, so everything was just a, it was a good Spanish feeling, you know, like just good vibes. And, and we finished the song together mostly with the Spanish group. Um, so that's why I, yeah, I, I, I named it Alice Correal, <laughs> just like the village we played at. Okay. And yeah. what about Cesar March? Cesar March, actually, it was inspired um, by a tune of Hans Glavischnik, the bass player. Um, and we played together in Germany. He played my music. And I don't know why, but I never checked out his compositions. And I really love his playing. And a friend of mine, he told me, actually, you should, uh, you should check out his music because it reminds me of your music. And I'm like, what? I have to check that out. And it's totally true. Um, so he wrote a couple of songs I really, really like and one especially. And yeah, this is kind of like inspired oh. from, from his music. Okay. Well, now I got to check out his music. I'm not familiar with that. Oh, uh, you should. Okay. Now, so you are based in four different cities or four different <laughs> countries. So you're in New York, Germany, Denmark, and Spain. Well, no, I'm I'm only visiting Spain for to play with this group here, like maybe two or three times a year, and we mostly play shows. And then, it's, but it's only a short trip. This time, it's only like a week. Mm -hmm. I'm here, and um, but I'm mostly in between Germany and New York. Yeah, with the pandemic, obviously now it was more Germany. Yeah, but um, I'll be back soon. Yeah, I was supposed to go over there in two weeks, but yeah, they canceled that for me. What do you mean? On the no travel list now. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I don't know what's going there. I don't want to know. But yeah, supposedly I can't, which is unfortunate. Yeah. 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 It's, um, yeah, it's kind of crazy right now. Again, like the numbers are going up and nobody knows what's going to happen. So let's see. Understood. So yeah. I need to know this. So. You're going to have to compare those four scenes to me, okay? Copenhagen. Uh, where in Germany are you actually? In Cologne. Mostly. In Cologne, okay. Mm -hmm. And New York City with Madrid. Okay, so. Oh. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's difficult. So, I mean, obviously, like the city to be for jazz is New York. And you can't compare any other scene to New York. But... It's also great to be in Europe just because it's easy to get around, you know, like you can, I mean, I was flying from Cologne to Madrid, you can fly within two hours and to Copenhagen, it's even one hour and you can even take the train. So um, that's what I like about Europe. And the scenes are much smaller than in New York, obviously. So you have to find your musicians and um Maybe it's also a little bit more difficult to get into the scene just because it's small and, you know, you have to know where to go or 
yeah, what clubs you, you want to play at and stuff like that. But um, yeah, so it's really hard to compare. It's so different. I like Cologne a lot because I feel like in Germany, Cologne, like just scene-wise, it's maybe a little bit comparable to New York just because, I mean, it's not as big, obviously, but there's so many musicians who are very um, motivated to do things and to put up new concert series or, you know, just to, to do something. They, they actually, it's like a really exciting scene. And I guess like in Madrid and Copenhagen, maybe it's a little bit more chill. Yeah. Okay. What about academic wise? Because you studied in all four of them or three of the four? Um, no, three of the four. Okay. Yeah. Uh, wow, this is also really different. Um, I would say Germany is mostly like really a school. So you go there, you have your classes and everything is... Like, everyone has to do the same stuff, basically. Um, whereas Copenhagen, it's more individual. Like, from the beginning, you choose what you're interested in, and then you choose your classes. And I feel like New York, it's just also really special because of the teachers. I studied at NYU, and, I mean, there you can, you can take lessons with Peter Bernstein, with Ari Honig, I took lessons with Tony Moreno a lot, Stefan Harris, you know, all these big names that you, being in Europe, you kind of look up to them and it's like they're in this jazz dream world and you can't reach them. But then like all of a sudden in New York, you're in a room with them and you take lessons. So, um, yeah, that's, I guess that's really the differences. Okay. I mean, were they, how should I say it? stuck up in your opinion or were they just pleasant to be around and nice oh no it was it was great to to have yeah yeah um obviously I, yeah it was <laughs> no it's cool a lot of input so much input actually i guess input for the next couple of years <laughs> i've been around jazz elitists and i'm just like wow sometimes yeah like, mm, yeah go so i feel you on yeah, that yeah <laughs> but yeah but you know there i mean obviously there's a couple of people who have a big ego but then there's also a lot of nice musicians who are actually don't have an ego at all where you think they should have <laughs> give me one but, come on for example tony moreno and peter bernstein i feel like they're so nice people they just want to you know they just want to be musicians as everyone else and they want to do music and yeah there are a couple of ones <laughs> okay <laughs> so you come to America, and what was the first thing that actually shocked you about the scene? Like, did you go to, like, Smalls right away? Did you go to any of the clubs? Was it one of those things where it was just a classroom first? What stuck with you? Um, I think really to be around all these great musicians. And also NYU is located on Union Square or close to Union Square. Yeah, Union Square Park. So it was just, like, this whole um, life of getting up, going to school, doing some classes and yeah, also play a lot of sessions, but then go from school directly into the village, you know, and hang at Smalls or the village Vanguard. So you, you were around this little, yeah, like this own little jazz village in a way within the city. And it was just so intense from the beginning. I was like, 
yeah, I didn't sleep for weeks, basically, because it was just like, boom, boom, like all this input in a good way. But it was just all this energy that, yeah, you have to get it somewhere. Okay. Uh, was it everything you expected? How did you see the jazz world as a student in Europe versus when you came to New York? Yeah, okay. So as a student, it was always a big, big dream to come to New York. And my first time in New York was during my first or second semester in undergrad in Germany. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was there and was just like, wow, I want to be here, but this will never happen. And it's not going to be possible for me as a German to be in New York. And this is just how it is. And then I learned about this um, amazing program they have in Germany where you can do your master's outside the country. And they give you, you know, money and tuition fees. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, God, I have to apply here. Maybe somehow it's possible to go to New York. I mean, I won't get the grant. It's okay, but I'm going to try. And then I got the grant and was just like, shit, now I have to go to New York. And super scary, obviously, in the beginning. And like, I didn't know anybody. And actually, my English wasn't really good. So I remember I took at NYU, you had to choose um, some classes, like some theoretical classes, and I didn't know any of them. I didn't know what it was. So I randomly took a music business, which was a big mistake because I didn't understand anything. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was pretty horrible. (laughs) Did he pass, though? Barely. Okay, I should have asked that question. (laughs) I wish I I took this class later, but yeah, I don't know why I did it. (laughs) It was an experience. Okay. So what is something that people should expect once they graduate? Especially in your In New York? Oh, in any of the countries or any of the scenes that you've been in. Going from a student to a professional. Um, I think... Well, also, that was different in, in Europe and in New York. I feel like in Europe, they don't prepare you enough to be outside in the scene. So um, I feel like it's really, you have, like, once you're out and once you have a degree, you actually start how to learn to be a freelance jazz musician. So you learn how to book, how to write, you know, like all those um, invoices, for example, already, or how to deal with taxes how to organize a tour, all that stuff. And I feel like in, in New York or in, in the U.S., um, you get to know a little bit more really? in this direction, if you're interested in it. But in Germany, it's really sometimes a problem because it's like a school. So they don't prepare you for that enough. I think So as a student, I think it's really important to, um, to take care of that yourself. Okay. And what is something that people seem to misunderstand about the music world? How hard it is to um, to survive, I guess. Yeah. How, I mean, and how unique you have to be or how important it is to um, organize and to also be a band leader. It's very different if you're a band leader or if you're only a side man or a side woman. And I think it's very important that every musician is one time in her her or his life a band leader because you learn totally different things and it's I think it's very important for the music. Okay, what's something you learned about it? 
how to be organized, actually, and how to treat other musicians, how to communicate in a rehearsal, how to communicate about your music, and also how to treat people being on tour when you're jet-lagged or when you're sleep-deprived, um, when you're hungry, maybe, you know, you're so super stressed out, and then you also have to take care of your band. So it's really... Um, I think, yeah, it's really challenging to to be a good band leader, actually. Okay. Well, I'm just curious because some of the people who you have played with been on the podcast before. So like Fabian, Mr. Stevens, down there. Uh, how did you meet them? Um, different occasions. A lot of them at NYU in school. Um, but a lot of them just in the scene. Um, I did a lot of sessions and I love to play sessions and meet new people. So a lot of the times, you know, you organize something with a friend and you say, okay, I'm going to ask someone and the other person is asking someone that you don't know. Um, yeah, so just just like that. Okay. I thought you would have had more of a story or something on any of that. No. <laughs> Unfortunately not, no. <laughs> okay. So what is your favorite spot in the New York scene? I'm just curious. Because you like to do sessions. Um, oh, you mean private spot or like venue-wise? Uh, both, actually. you have a specific so, venue that you prefer to like to play at? Um, well, I, lo I love to hang at Smalls, actually, mm -hmm. because it's always a good hang. But I actually, one of my favorite clubs that doesn't exist anymore was Cornelia Street Cafe. I don't know if you know it. In the village? It's gone. It's one of those like jazz standards, gone forever. But yes, I do know that spot. Yes, it's gone, unfortunately. Yeah. We lost a few during the pandemic. That's true. Mm -hmm. How about over? How, did you lose a lot in Europe? Uh, I think not as many. Oh, okay. Yeah, there was a lot of um, funding from the government, in Germany at least. I don't know about other places, but I think they did okay. But who knows? I mean, if the, the numbers are going up like crazy, so if they had to do another lockdown, I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody knows. Understood. Okay, well, back into your music thing, so... Just curious, what made you join, I mean, play the percussions, instruments, or drums? And what made you well, actually I'm, decide to major in it, like take the jump? I'm coming from the piano, from classical piano, and I had a jazz piano teacher when I was a kid, or when I was in my teens, actually. Um, and because he was friends with my parents, my parents kind of took me and my brother to his concerts. Like, we had to go to his shows, although I didn't like jazz by the time at all. Um, so, yeah, and then after a while, and he was always, actually, he was always playing with really good drummers. So, after a while, I was like, okay, the drums, they are cool. <laughs> That's, like, the only thing that I like here. I don't like jazz, and, you know, I don't like to go to these shows. So, I'm going to check out the drums. And and then actually I did an exchange year from my high school in France. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm I told you, it's really easy to get around in Europe. 
<laughs> but anyway, my exchange student, he had a drum set at his place, like just by coincidence. And so after school, we didn't have anything to do. It was kind of boring. So we just played drums all day. And he showed me like all these rock groups. And we played to Nirvana and all those rock bands. It was kind of fun. So when I came back to Germany, I was like, ah, oh, mom, I want to have a drum set. And it's so fun. And yeah, and then I got a drum set. And I don't know. I taught myself in the beginning. It was I, I was always fascinated by the independence, actually, because I also used to dance a lot. And from the from dancing, I was already kind of used to, you know, to some sort of independence, I guess. Mm -hmm. And with the drums, I thought, oh, that's so interesting. And I was also interested in rhythms and stuff like that. So eventually, I kind of stopped playing the piano for a while and only played the drums all day. And took lessons and then there was also like a jazz workshop close to my hometown that I took part at. And then it was actually really fast that I got into jazz. Um, yeah, and then I, I actually liked jazz <laughs> after a while. So I also started playing jazz. So you never um, played rock? Yes, I did in the very beginning, but it was only a short time. Okay. So, yeah, it, it's different. I guess... I started playing the drums pretty late when I was 15, 16. Um, but because I knew how to read music from the piano and I was also playing the flute before, um, I was faster, I guess. And I also knew how to practice. So that's why I guess everything went a little bit faster. And then after, I think already after two years or something like that, I knew that I really want to go to music school. But I also knew it's going to be super difficult because I only played for two years. And, you know, it's difficult to, to get into the music school also in Germany. Yeah, and then I just practiced. The last two years of high school, I basically practiced <laughs> drums. Didn't do anything else. <laughs> okay, it worked out. But for then you. I got into the music school, so that was nice. Yeah. Okay, so you got into one of the top music schools in Germany after playing jazz for like, I mean, drums for two and a half years. Um. Well, I actually did. Yeah, you're right. I did two years in Germany, and then I did one year in Copenhagen as, as an exchange student. And then I came back to Germany for two years. Yeah. And then I went to New York. Okay. <laughs> I mean... Like this. Yeah. Very impressive, <laughs> I must say. <laughs> Thank you. Have you ever been invited to play on a non-jazz album? Uh, no. No? No. I oh. mostly... No, I really play jazz. Yeah, only jazz. Okay. okay. I mean... Yeah. I guess I would do it. It would be interesting. Um, but I also love jazz. And there's so many different styles in jazz. So, yeah. I didn't miss anything so far. No? <laughs> but it's like an interesting question. <laughs> Just asking. That's, like I said, so far, very impressive. And not much I could really say, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> well... I don't know. 
What should I ask you that I don't know about it? Anything specific? Uh, like any other type of projects you're working on right now? Yeah, there are a couple of projects in Germany I'm working on. With the pandemic, everything was going super slow, mm-hmm. obviously. So um, I'm trying to... Before the pandemic, actually, um, I had my band over in Europe and we toured in Germany and Switzerland. So that was super nice. But now it's almost two years ago, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, so I hope to, to be able to bring them back to Europe next year. Um, but right now it's just super, super difficult to book gigs. Are you guys allowed to and, record right now? I mean... Sorry, what did you say? Uh, I'm sorry. Does the government allow you to record right now or, or did they put a stop to that? Um, I think you're allowed. Yeah. But only if you're vaccinated. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's even, I mean, most concerts right now are still happening. But it's so, the times are so uncertain. That's why venue or bookers, they, they book really I mean, not far in advance at all. It's really last minute everything. So bringing a band from New York to Germany, I need at least a year of planning ahead. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's really difficult right now because nobody knows, okay, what's what's happening in a year or in half a year? I don't know if, if the venue is still there even. So it's really um, tricky to, to book a whole tour right now. Yeah, especially when you're bouncing from all these different countries, that makes it a lot more difficult to plan. Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, that's a whole other thing that even I can't fully relate because I'm in the situation, but I'm not at the global scale like you, if you get what I mean. Right, right. My problems right now tend to be in New York City, and they are trying to open stuff up for the most part, as you know. Yeah, exactly. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but do you know about the the rest of the country, actually? It depends what state you're talking about, yes. Some of the states never locked down fully, you know that. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like, if you go to some states, you would think corona never happened. Huh. Yeah. Okay. We should all go there. (laughs) Yeah, but no no jazz artists want to live over there. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I mean, there's probably a Texas jazz scene that I don't know about. But yeah. I have some friends that are in Florida. And even when I was there, the attendance wasn't as full as before. Mm, okay. But yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm, I have a tour coming up in February, March, um, all over the U.S. And I'm really wondering if it's going to happen. It's like 23 gigs. But it's like, yeah. This band? No, it's a different band from New York. With Carmen Staff on piano, um, and she's a musical director as well. But yeah, I wonder like what's gonna happen. It's so ah, uh, I hate it. You can't plan ahead at all. Trust me, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> makes it more shaky of a music industry. I know. I know. So, if you could remove all the barriers and the constraints, what type of project would you make? Who would be on it? 
I would run on a record with my band, I think. That's it. <laughs> Boo. Okay. <laughs> I know, it's super boring. But right now, it's like, I don't know, with COVID, it's like so, everything is so difficult. And I haven't seen my band in two years. And now the album is coming out and it feels like, man, I'm here by myself, my band you know, is so far away and we can't play and we can't tour. So it's like, I just want to have them again and I want to play again and I want to tour again. That's why right now I just want to do a new record and tour the world. <laughs> Understood. Okay. This is all I want to do. And then after, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. I actually, I would do another project or a new project with sing with vocals with a singer. But also here I have a lot of singers in my mind that I really admire, but I never really um, wrote for vocals. And I really don't know how to do it. So that's what that would be something that I that I think would be a big challenge actually. So who's someone you would invite to sing? I totally like Michael Mayo. And Gretchen Palato, I also like a lot. Okay. Yeah. Is it going to be multi-language or is it going to be in English? What would it be? Oh, that would also be such a challenge to write lyrics. Um, but yeah, maybe, I don't know. I think I feel like lyrics in English are sounding so much better than in any other language. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I'm not sure if I want to hear German lyrics, to be honest. <laughs> I actually work out to German rap music because I don't understand it, number one. Really? And number two, sometimes it sounds angry and I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's German. It always sounds angry. <laughs> But, okay, I mean, I don't know. You should write it's a German fun. song also. It might come out good. No? Okay, you I'm don't seem sure. to. <laughs> okay, so. I like English. Fair, 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 fair. <laughs> it's not a romantic language, though. Just remember that. No, it is. It can be anything, you know. No, like it's not it's... like French. It's not like Spanish. Oh, Italian. right. Yes. Right. That's okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. What is the best compliment you ever received? Um. <laughs> well, actually, I received... A nice compliment from Wayne Shorter. Um, I was invited at the Monk Institute to to do the audition for the Monk. Well, actually, now it's called um, Hancock Institute, I think. Hancock Institute Band. You know the band they have uh, for two years. Yes. Um, and I was on this like I was second for drums, and then after the audition, Wayne Shorter he came to me and said. Like, he has a really quiet voice, right? He said, um, I don't know how to pronounce your name, but you don't need this. You have your way. Like, follow your path. You don't need this here. And I thought it was super nice. And, yeah, it gave me a lot, in a way, to hear it from him. Uh, that's yeah. amazing. So one of the greatest saxophone players of all time pretty much just said, you don't need to be here. You're good. Go out there and do your own thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And she says it all modest. You know, that's so sweet. 
And I, yeah, I don't know. It was so special. And I think about that a lot, you know, whenever you have like, I mean, right now it's so difficult and everything and you don't know even if, if you can live as a jazz musician in the future with COVID. I mean, nobody knows what's going to happen. So I don't know, thinking about that sometimes kind of gives me some hope that you should never stop, I guess. If you like what you're doing, you should always go and and keep going, actually. Okay, so it's where important. do you think jazz will be in 10 years? Wow. <laughs> I'm just curious, you brought that what up. What a question. <laughs> I guess there's going to be less musicians, maybe, less jazz musicians, just because there's going to be less jobs. I'm sorry to say, but I think this is going to be the fact. And it's going to be more difficult. But at the same time, we can all be more closer together, maybe easier together. <laughs> I don't know. Please don't keep <laughs> laughing, otherwise it's going to be more terrible what I'm saying. Because I'm not trying to be <laughs> negative, because I'm too negative on these I on these podcast shows and then you're coming on saying Aww. something negative like oh, it's going to be less we're going to have less jobs they're going to be yeah. less venues <laughs> uh, but right now it's super hard to be optimistic I feel like I don't know but hey on the other hand I'm in Madrid right now I was able to come here um, yes. so I shouldn't complain I mean you could always complain you know I can always, I'm pretty sure Wayne Shorter could complain about something I guess. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, before we go, we normally like to give a shout out or show respects to the artists who came before us. So I'm going to tell you an instrument and you know what? I'll be nice to you because you're a sweetheart. You're going to tell me who you want playing. Okay. Wait, what did you say? Who? No, you're going to tell me who you want to play. So if I say an instrument, you got to tell me who you want. In the perfect dream band of yours, okay? Okay. On trumpet. Rafa Lessi. Why? Ah, uh, because he's his solos and his sound. Actually, to be honest, I don't like trumpet as much. <clears throat> oh. Um, <laughs> I'm not the big, biggest trumpet fan, but Ralph, when he plays the trumpet, I don't think it sounds like a trumpet. It sounds different. It sounds so smooth, and that's why. Yeah. <laughs> Is this a brass thing, or you just don't like trumpets? No, actually, I like trombone, but I, I don't know. I don't know something about the trumpet. <laughs> okay, who would you have on trombone? Uh, wow. Hmm. I think Alan Ferber because he's such a sweetheart. <laughs> that works. I know. I'm not. I'm not naming the expected people. I guess I'm not. That's good. That's good. You keep it up, okay? Be honest to yourself, okay? This is your <laughs> moment, your thing. Yes. On saxophone, who would it be? Oh, I already have my dream. Well, actually, I mean, besides Rich Perry, because I already have him, I would take Vane Shorter, obviously. Oh, okay. Yes. Really? Of course. Over John Coltrane. And after Vane, over John Coltrane, yeah. Over Charlie Parker. Yeah. Okay. I would take Vane Shorter. And after that, I would actually take, I think, Coltrane for sure. 
if he would be still alive. And if we talk about musicians that still live, mm-hmm. I would take Chris Potter. Okay, so one of them. Out of all of them, who would it be? Oh, okay. <laughs> I still take Wayne. Okay. Yeah. See, that's why he likes you. <laughs> so, <laughs> on base, who would it be? On base, uh, Ron Carter. I can't argue with that one. Okay. Yeah. On keys. Bill Evans. That was fast. Why Bill Evans? That was fast. Out of... Uh, yeah. Uh, because everything, because his, of his solos, of his tunes, compositions, of like just the way he plays melodies. And yeah, because <laughs> all of the trios, all of the recordings, because of everything. Mm-hmm. And if you couldn't play drums, who would substitute for you? Evan Jones. That was also really quick. Okay. Why? And after that, Tony Williams. Now, Evan, because, uh, no, because he, his sound and his touch on the drums, it's just unique. Okay. Nobody else is, sounds like him. Yeah. And Tony, because of what? Tony, because of what he can play on the drums, because of his facilities, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I, and actually, and sorry, and if it would be a musician who would still be alive, I would take Old Gummer. I would take Bill Stewart because of his touch and his phrasing, especially. Not even Buddy? Not Buddy Rich? No? Uh, okay, that's enough. So, no, then it would be a band leader. Then I would take Buddy Rich. No. Because band leader and being a drummer, I think Buddy Rich is unbeatable. That is fair. That is fair. <laughs> so, could you tell everyone your social media, where to find you, etc.? Yes, you find me on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, online, everywhere. What do they look up? <laughs> on YouTube. Up? What do they look Marike up? Marike Weening. <laughs> oh, it's, it's literally that for all of them? It's, yeah. Okay. Basically, or sometimes on Facebook and I think on Instagram, it's Marike Weening Music. Okay. But there are not too many people who, who have my name, so you should you should find me easy if you can spell it. <laughs> yeah, if you want to spell it. Well, you can spell it from the title of this episode, everyone. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> well, ma'am, thank you for joining us. It means a lot. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Mm-hmm. And everyone, this is Leanna from Improv Exchange. Thank you. Have a good one. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange. <laughs>